Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Many more people are surviving cancers of all types today than 20 or even 10 years ago, thanks in part to better detection and diagnosis and improved treatment strategies. Now we're going to take a look at a cancer that seems to be on the rise and another that has been difficult to catch early with Dr. Thomas Vandermeer. He's the interim director of the Upstate Cancer Center and chief of surgical oncology with a practice specializing in cancers of the liver and pancreas. Welcome back to The Informed Patient, Dr. Vandermeer. Thank you, Amber. Thanks for having me. You specialize in the liver and the pancreas, so I'd like to talk about what is happening with cancers in each of those organs. Let's start with the liver. Liver cancer incidence has tripled since 1980. Do we know why? Uh, We think that the rise in the incidence of liver cancer is primarily related to the high rate of infection uh, from hepatitis C virus and baby boomers. Um, and also the rise in obesity. Um, these are both uh, uh, risk factors for the development of cirrhosis, which leads to liver cancer. Um, there's a lot of different um, liver diseases that lead to cirrhosis, but that damage and, and scarring and uh, repair leads to an inflammation that, that we think uh, leads to, to liver cancer. And the hepatitis uh, C virus, uh, the, the infection in and of itself causes um, changes that lead to liver cancer. Does liver cancer show up in a medical image or a, a blood test? How do you, how do you detect it? Um, it, it does show up on a, on a number of uh, different uh, imaging studies. When people have hepatitis B or hepatitis C infections, they are screened for the development of, of liver cancer. Um, and uh, that screening is done usually with ultrasound. And so ultrasound uh, is simple and, and a pretty reliable way of, of detecting uh, liver cancers. Uh, but it, it's also seen on uh, CT scans and MRI is particularly sensitive for picking up um, liver cancers. Uh, there are uh, blood tests that uh, we, we use if somebody has an established diagnosis of liver cancer to follow the response of the, of the tumor to the treatment. Well, once liver cancer is diagnosed, is surgery usually the first treatment? Surgery is, uh, is, is the best treatment for liver cancer. Now, there are two types of liver cancers that are the most common. Um, one is particularly related um, to uh, viral hepatitis and cirrhosis. And then there's a, another type that's uh, derived from the bile ducts within the liver. So they have uh, slightly different treatment options and, and, and different things that, that we can do. But by and large, yes, we try to do surgery whenever it's possible. There are limitations on uh, when we, we can do surgery to remove the tumor. For example, uh, some uh, people have cirrhosis that is so severe that, that we can't remove part of the liver safely. Um, removing part of the liver in some cirrhotics, especially with advanced cirrhosis, will lead to liver failure. And, and so we have to be very careful about uh, looking at the, the liver function, how much viable liver needs to be removed to, to remove that, that, that tumor. Uh, that's for uh, resection. Um, liver transplantation is also an option. It's been uh, well shown that for uh, patients with 
up to uh, three relatively small liver tumors, the, the liver transplantation can be can be very effective, and that's a, especially attractive in in people with advanced uh, cirrhosis who wouldn't be able to tolerate a um, a liver resection. Uh, for the other type of uh, liver cancer that you know, arises in the bile ducts, there are, uh, are centers that are investigating the the utility of of liver transplantation for those tumors as well. So for the cancers that you would not be looking at a transplant for, when you go in to operate, are you removing just the tumor itself or do you remove part of the liver with it? Uh, we, we always try to remove uh, a rim of normal liver uh, around the, the tumor because the tumor can, can infiltrate. So we want to make sure that there's not even microscopic tumor left behind on the edges of, of what we remove. Um, depending on the location of the tumor, sometimes uh, we, we have to re remove larger parts. Uh, for example, if the tumor is sitting right on uh, one of the major areas of blood supply to a larger portion of the liver, then in order to, to remove that, that tumor, we have to remove that blood vessel as well. And so the consequences of that are that we have to remove a portion of the liver that is supplied by that blood vessel. So sometimes we do have to remove a fair amount of uh, additional liver, uh, depending on the location. Are there other therapies that are used in coordination with surgery? Um, there uh, are alternatives to, to surgery for people that, that can't have uh, surgery for whatever reason. Uh, by and large, uh, a surgery a resection of the of the tumor um, is is the best treatment, and additional treatments beyond that have not been shown to be effective. So. Uh, and when we're talking about all the other different things that can be done, there are alternatives. Um, and, the, and which alternative we use um, depends on how localized the, the tumor is. So if a tumor is, is localized and, and small, but the condition of the liver, the location of it, makes it not amenable to, to removal, uh, there are devices we have where we can use microwaves to destroy the tumor. Uh, uh, increasingly, we're looking at our high dose radiation um, to the to the tumor that can be very effective as well. Uh, we can also access the arteries that take blood to the tumor and and inject things like uh, radioactive microspheres that implant in the tumor and give a local dose of, of radiation uh, internally to the tumor. We can also target the blood supply to it. We can clot clot that off. And, um, and so kill the tumor in that way. Um, and then for more widespread liver tumors, then we're looking more at the tumors that are spread widely through the liver and potentially through the body. So in those cases, we're talking about um, what we call systemic drugs that get, get through the body. So immunotherapy, medications, and, and uh, other things that are given intravenously. What do you see on the horizon for liver cancer? Uh, so like with, with um, uh, most cancers, there's really exciting work being done uh, around the harnessing the body's own immune system to attack the, the tumor and kill it. And so there's a lot of different ways to, to, to do that. We're also understanding 
the different uh, genetic profiles of, of these tumors so that we can have much more targeted therapies, um, just like with, with a lot of other uh, tumors. Uh, liver cancers have been kind of lagging behind the advances made in some other tumors like lung cancer, where um, there's, there's lots and lots of different immunotherapy options. Um, what we've recently found is that drugs that, that prevent the tumor from creating blood, supply, uh, blood vessels to supply itself with um, nutrients, um, if we can interrupt that process with some medications, that's been shown to be effective. Um, and other uh, things like viral therapy are being uh, investigated actively, um, as are uh, more direct radiation techniques. And then uh, just uh, from a population health standpoint, getting more people screened who are at risk for um, developing liver cancer, that that can make a a huge difference in terms of early detection. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking with Dr. Thomas Vandermeer. He's a surgeon and the interim director of the Upstate Cancer Center. Pancreatic cancer is 3% of all cancers, but 7% of cancer deaths. Is the relative death rate high because it's particularly hard to detect this cancer early? Yeah, that's part of it, but also it's a difficult cancer to to treat. So it it will present often late in its course because there aren't uh, symptoms early on in a lot of cases. And so the tumor is often metastasized or, or disseminated through the body. Uh, without anybody really having any symptoms to to notice it. And then we have relatively limited treatment options for it, although there are some emerging technologies and techniques and, and medications that, that are looking very promising. What causes pancreatic cancer? Uh, like like most cancers, the, the cause is related to mutations in the genes. And what I mean by that is that our bodies are made up of cells and the cells will normally divide to re- refresh our body and keep it functional. And then the original cell will die off, but the mutations can cause dysregulation of the growth of cells. And so in pancreatic cancer, there's four specific genes that, that, that trigger these uh, changes in, in, in growth of the cells. But the other thing that these cancer cells do is that they put the brakes on our own immune system so that, that they can escape the, the normal process that our bodies uh, use to rid itself of things that are not good for us, like viruses and um, abnormal cells. So once the cancer gets started, it does things to our immune system that, that kind of put the brakes on it. But like you said, we might not have symptoms of this or know that this is happening. How does pancreatic cancer usually get discovered then? Um, it, it, depending on what part of the pancreas the tumor is located in, the, the tumor may block the bile duct. And that's, that's a fortunate thing because people then get jaundiced. And, and so those tumors tend to get detected pretty early. If it's in another part of the pancreas, then it can grow to be pretty big before it, it infiltrates nerves and causes pain um, or causes uh, pancreatitis. Or sometimes 
it's already advanced so far that people are already starting to lose weight. And, and, and so they just go to the doctor because they're not feeling well. And, um, usually it's a CAT scan that, that is the first test to, to detect this. Is surgery part of the treatment for pancreatic cancer? Surgery is the, the most effective treatment that we currently have for, for pancreatic cancer. Um, there's, uh, generally just two operations that, that, that are done depending on the location of the tumor. And increasingly we're using minimally invasive surgical techniques, uh, so that, that we can, um, avoid a, a big incision and, and really, uh, improve the, the, the recovery. Um, it is very important to get chemotherapy, uh, around the time of surgery, either before and after or after. So it, it's important that, that recovery from the surgery, um, be relatively, um, straightforward and, and quick and uncomplicated so that uh, patients can, can get on to their next phase of treatment, which is chemotherapy. Have immunotherapies been helpful? Not significantly. Um, there are, um, a small percentage of pancreatic cancers that are amenable to immunotherapy and responsive to Im immunotherapy that we currently have. Um, but there's been some novel techniques that have been, uh, tried, uh, that have shown some very early promise. What can you tell us about an experimental mRNA vaccine that's being tested against pancreatic cancer? So that, that was one of the new techniques that I was kind of referring to. There was a, a pretty exciting study. It was only about 20 patients, I think. Um, but uh, what those investigators did was they um, actually partnered with the same vaccine company that, that, that created one of the COVID vaccines to, to use mRNA technology um, to train the cells so that the immune cells would be able to um, attack that particular cancer. So what they did was they removed the, the, the tumor, then they processed the tumor and they found out what the proteins were on the surface of that particular cancer. And they're different depending on the, on the person. And then they generated a vaccine against those exact proteins that were on the surface of that cancer. And then they injected the mRNA vaccine and, um, about half of the people had a really good response. And, and in terms of uh, response, what they looked at was, uh, whether or not the immune cells in that patient were able to specifically attack those proteins that they intended to have them attack. Um, and uh, only about half of them um, were successful in, in generating those T cells. But of those people, had, I think one year or follow-up or so, very few of those patients had any recurrence where uh, patients who uh, didn't have such a good response, uh, most of them had uh, their cancer recur with within a year. So not only did they show that, that they could, uh, engineer these, uh, immune cells to attack that particular cancer, but they also uh, were starting to show that there was a, a difference in, in survival and, and the long uh, tumor recurrence. So pretty exciting study. I think the next thing for them to uh, work on is to see how they can get more of the patient's immune cells to uh, adopt these um, receptors. So it sounds like this new approach holds some promise. Uh, very much so. Yeah. 
Um, and there's been other uh, investigators that um, I think it was pretty big in the news a few months ago. It was only one patient, but the patient had pretty widespread metastatic pancreas cancer. And again, they uh, programmed her immune cells to attack that particular cancer. And I think uh, it was like a 72% uh, response, but the response uh, g generated uh, over a long period of time. And they showed that these uh, immune cells had been replicating in the patient's body. And so they are, we're, we're still waiting to hear, but, but it, it, the hope was that once those cells are there, they'll continue to fight the cancer over a long period of time. Well, Dr. Vanderveer, thank you so much for making time for this interview. Well, thank you for having me, Amber. My guest has been Dr. Thomas Vandermeer. He specializes in hepatobiliary and pancreatic surgery, and he serves as the interim director of the Upstate Cancer Center. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.